Good morning, good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them and turn with me to the book of Exodus. We continue on in our series. We're looking at chapter 16 today. We're going to cover a lot of territory. Exodus chapter 16. I want to welcome you to Big Woods Bible Church online. This is a little different for us, but this is what God has called us to in his sovereign providence. And so we will rejoice in this opportunity to worship like this. Um, I think it's appropriate as we have a subject for the message, Blessings from Above, as it is um, raining again. I'm thankful for that old saying that says what? February showers, March showers, and April showers bring May flowers. And so we are going to have beautiful, beautiful flowers in May. I want to begin with an announcement with the um, good news. Um, I just received a text this morning that our office manager, Sue Omer, and her husband, Dan, are officially grandparents at 2.23 a.m. Caleb Daniel Walton was born 8 pounds, 13 ounces, 21 and a quarter inches long. Congratulations to, to Mama Becca and, and Daddy uh, Jason. And I tell you what, between his daddy and his granddaddy, that's one boy you're not going to want to be messing with. I can assure you of that. Special congratulations and praise God for answered prayer with the safe arrival of little baby Caleb. There's good news. Before we look into the word of God this morning, I want us to pray and just ask for, for God to speak to our hearts. That he would use me however he see fit. That he would guard my mind and my mouth. And that he would be glorified. That is our hope. That is our single goal of why we worship. That God would be glorified in everything that we say and everything that we do. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, again, as we come into your presence, we are grateful. We are so grateful for the blessings of technology to be able to meet like this as people are listening all over the place. We thank you, Lord, for your word that, that never changes, that is a foundation, that is, Lord, truth that is so needed today. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit we thank you, Lord, for the way that you speak to us, the way that you shepherd our hearts. And my, my prayer this morning, Lord, is that through the preaching of the good news of Jesus, as we examine a very important Old Testament text, that, that our hearts would be stirred in our affections toward you. Father, but I, I ask for help. I ask for clarity of thought, of words speech I pray Lord that the name of Jesus would be exalted you would be glorified in our efforts Lord to learn to listen and learn the lessons that you have for us today we ask this in the amazing and wonderful and powerful and majestic name of Jesus amen and amen okay we left off last week if you remember the Israelites are on a journey. They are en route to the promised land. If you remember by way of review, they've already been rescued from slavery in Egypt. 
They have been rescued from Egyptian soldiers at the Red Sea. They've been rescued from dying of thirst in the desert wilderness of Shur, as we saw last week. Remember that, remember that desert wilderness? Uh, hot, dry, desolate, a, a dead place. No one goes there unless they had to go there. And the Israelites had to go there because they had some important lessons to learn. Times in the wilderness are necessary. Why? Because people, and, and these people, were experts at grumbling. If you recall in, in Exodus chapter 2, they, they grumbled under Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 14, they grumbled at the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 15, they grumbled at, at Merah. We'll see this chapter, Exodus 16, and next chapter, Exodus 17, they grumbled about their leadership, to which their leadership then reminded them, you're actually not grumbling against us, you're grumbling against the Lord. Four times, as a matter of fact, in this chapter alone, verse 2, verse 7, verse 8, and verse 11, there's this idea of them grumbling. Last week I talked about the fact that the Israelites are what? They're either a lot like us, or we are a lot like the Israelites, because I don't think it's a stretch to say, with our present situation, global pandemic, Every day we wake up to news of this COVID-19. I don't think it's a stretch to say that we today are in a kind of a wilderness. And I don't want to belabor the point, but I think we're actually, I know I can be pretty good at grumbling. I am, I am well versed at kicking the dirt. And mumbling under my breath. So there's a lesson here. There's a lesson for us to learn. An important lesson. Uh, one chapter. 36 verses long. It is impossible. You know me. It's impossible for us to cover every single verse. But as an overview. There's a couple verses that kind of explain and shows us what is happening. Verses 9 and 10 and verse 12. M Moses is speaking to Aaron, who remember is the mouthpiece. Moses is the muscle and Aaron is the mouthpiece. Moses is speaking to Aaron, to which Aaron speaks to all of the people and he says this in verse 9. Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. So all the people have gathered together. And then it says this in verse 10. They look toward the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord appeared. Then in verse 12 it says in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So, so what is this whole, in a sense there's a theme for all of Exodus chapter 16, even in the midst of grumbling, God extends grace. Even in the midst of grumbling, God extends grace and God is glorified. So the question for us this morning is this, are we going to contribute to more grumbling or are we going to concede 
To what? So that everything that we do brings God glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says what? Whatever we do, whether you eat or drink, you do it all for the glory of God. Now we know that God cannot be measured. God is infinite. Uh, God is great in every way. We measure greatness in our society with these types of terms. Um, he, he was... He was all-American. She was what? All-academic. We measure greatness, what, with this term, they're, they're all-county or they're all-state. And I was trying to think back, I, I was trying to think about the time that I, I was named all-state. And I was thinking about it and I couldn't, I couldn't remember it. You know why? Because I never made all-state. And I realized if you're what, in that sort of measuring system, I'm really all nothing. Whereas God, in his infinite greatness, is all everything. He is all everything, which means what? God can work anywhere. God can work anytime, with anything, with any person, in any setting but yet what's interesting is that there's something special that he loves to work God loves to work in the wilderness now oh, it's a hard place it's an it's an ugly unpleasant place nobody wants it but it's in those times of dryness it's in the wilderness even the wilderness that we find ourselves in, it's in those times of deadness that we learn, the Israelites learn. Let, let's pick it up in verse 1. Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. I'll read down through verse 4 to start. The word of the Lord. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. First point I want to bring to you this morning, I want to bring to our attention, we need to be reminded of this, is that God's provision was supernatural. God's provision was supernatural. Um, it's not, I, I love, I love people. I, I work with people. I, I also work with words. I love words. And I love the whole idea of, of wordsmithing. Or, or crafting phrases and sentences and thoughts and ideas. And when you work with the word of God. What I find interesting is that in his delightful grace. 
He gives gifts to us. This is one of them. This particular portion of scripture, I want you to think for a moment. Think desert. I know that's hard in central Pennsylvania in April. Think desert. Think, think wilderness. Think hot, dry, hungry. And this is not a um, dinner is kind of late hungry, okay? This is a, I have not had food for several days type of hunger. And God says this. This is what God does. Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. If you, if you write in your Bible, if you ever underscore or highlight those last two words, for you, a gift that God has given to us. I am about to rain bread from heaven. And I'm like, what? Like, what is that? Wow. Now, why is, why is that one phrase? Why is that one verse, the first part of Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, why is that so cool? Let me give you a little hint. Because bread comes from the bakery. You see, bread, bread does not fall down from heaven. Therefore, what? This is not normal. This is not natural. This is what is referred to as supernatural. So when people were grumbling, oh, how wonderful we had it in Egypt. Just think about that thinking for a moment. Sure, we were slaves, but, but at least we were slaves with food. How, how twisted is that thinking? Reminiscing about chains. How, how twisted is that thinking? Missing the shackles? You're, you're what? You're longing for the lashes that would fall across your back when you didn't work hard enough? How twisted is our thinking to ever think that it was better where we used to be? What, what lesson, what one very important lesson that we're going to learn about here is what? Living in freedom. Living in freedom as followers of the one true God is better than any type of slavery. Any type of thing that you experienced. That fun for a season in the past, that old life that you used to live. No, no, no. Those things are behind us. And there's a lesson here. It's an important lesson about what it means to live in freedom as followers of the one true God. So important is this lesson. That God is going to what? He is going to open up. He is going to pour out. He is going to rain down. He's going to pull out the stops with this miracle, with this mighty work of his hand. Now God has designed it. He's created it in such a way that we are to work. If you recall, in the very beginning, God even modeled this for us. On the seventh day, God finished his work 
and then he rested. So important is that idea that the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Therefore we know that what? God has ordained work. Work is a good thing. But the results of the fall have made work very toilsome. Results of the fall have made work very, very difficult. Work is a good thing, but you and I know that work is also a very hard thing. Therefore, it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, that you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow. We have a, we have a term in what in our society, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to work. I've got to go earn some bread. So, so in a sense, we know that from the very beginning, bread comes only as a result of our labor. And I know that we don't always think about that. If you hear bread today, basically what? White wheat or rye. I mean, that's generally, is it going to be a French baguette? Is it going to be cinnamon raisin? Is it going to be garlic herb? Texas, I mean, we don't really think about the idea that bread is directly associated with work. You realize, though, most of the world most of the world doesn't live like we live. There's been hardships lately, there's no doubt about it, but yet there's not one of us that lacks the very basics. So we know that it's normal and natural to work for bread to eat. Why? Because bread is, is necessary. Bread is a basic need. It's food. If there's no food, there's no life. Now, now, why do I tell you all about that? Because the Israelites received what bread from heaven, which means they received it apart from their labors, which means it's called a what? Here you go. What do we call that? I've not worked for it. I've not earned it. Here you go. It's, it's called a gift. It's a gift. All they had to do was go, go, go pick it up, was go gather it. And God did that for them for 40 years. The gift is what? They were given life when they should be dead. In addition to that, when they saw this manna, this bread, rain down from heaven, they were totally, totally confused. They were mystified by it. They have never seen anything like it before. We didn't read it, but later on in the chapter, in verse 31, it describes it. It says that it resembled coriander seed. It was white, and it tasted like wafers made with honey. Many people do not know that the word manna Hebrew, it's the word man, is related to a similar word, which, which sounds like what? Literally another word which means, what is it? So the word that they gave this manna, translates, what is it? But apparently, it was very tasty. So not only did it supply a need, which is most important, but God in his grace gave them this, and it was enjoyable. So it was a gift, but it was what? It was a good gift. How, how wonderful. How wonderful is that? 
I say all of that to, to, to explain that this is a once and what? Once in a lifetime supernatural provision. Do, do you ever pause and see how God has provided for you supernaturally? Provided gifts, good gifts of his grace for you and for me. Even in the midst of our grumbling. We can all be good at what? Kicking the dirt. Mumbling under our breath. Yeah, but you don't realize it's, 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 really, it's really, really been hard out there. And I understand it's been hard. We don't have some of the liberties and freedoms. People are concerned about, yeah, but, but I, I've, I'm, I'm out of work here. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to have a job. People, this is the time that you have to realize, recognize that we what worship a God who what provides in supernatural ways. That, that God has what? He has called an entire body of people together, that if there is one that, that lacks, there's another one who can help with that need. That's what we're called to do as a church, that we are to bear one another's burdens. The world doesn't think like that. The world's hold, 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 and hoard, hoard. But no. I'm reminded of what James wrote, what every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights people don't ever people don't ever look back like the Israelites looked back and instead what I want to encourage you this morning in the wilderness journey that we find ourselves in not I want to encourage you not to look back I want you to look up to see God who loves to show you his glory by raining down blessing upon blessing a provision for his children number one God's provision was supernatural number two God's provision was sufficient I love the way that God is always doing more than it appears we may be aware of what? One, two, three things of maybe what God is teaching us when God is doing tens of thousands of things. And I think when we read some of this text on a quick read through, it's easy to miss portions of it. We read this, the people shall go out and gather days portion that I may test them. Test them whether to walk in my way or not. In, in these verses, God also wanted to test the faith of the Israelites tests their obedience. I think, I think it's safe to say that God also doesn't tempt us, but he will test us to see where our faith lies, to see how obedient we're going to be. The largest portion of this entire chapter speaks about very specific instruction of gathering up the manna, when they could gather it, and how much they could gather. Let's jump back to the text, verse 16. We'll pick it up. Exodus chapter 16, verse 16. I'll read down through verse 18 and then pick it up in verse 22. This is what the Lord has commanded. 
Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. Whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. Jump down with me to verse 22. On the sixth day, he gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them and it did not stink and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. The, the idea that the Lord is teaching, the lesson the Lord is teaching here is what? You gather all that you can eat. And that's a lot. There's some big eaters. But what? You are not to try to hoard it. You're not to try to hold on to it. So if someone got the idea that, you know what? I just love this Krispy Kreme stuff. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a little bit extra just in case the Lord doesn't come through for us tomorrow. I'm going to kind of hold on to this. I'm going to hug this. Just in case God is not good to his word. You know what would happen to that? They weren't allowed to because if they took too much, it said it would rot with worms. And this is just a great Old Testament word. It stank. In Hebrew, it means it stinks really, really bad. With the exception, what gather as much as you can eat, but don't hold on to it. Don't hoard it. With the exception, what? Of Friday. I love Fridays. Why? Friday is the day before Shabbat. So on Friday they could gather enough for two days. Why? Because God's teaching a lesson here. Because you're going to get ready. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath day to the Lord. Remember this, that God made provisions. What? But he's not just concerned about their physical health he's also what actually he's more concerned about your spiritual holiness than he is about your physical health therefore the great reminder for us here is what it is a test of our faith are you going to trust God or not think about the way think about the many blessings that God has lavishly poured on you do, do you ever keep looking for more? 
Like, like God has blessed us with like, like we have everything that we could possibly need. Do, do you go looking for more? How content are you with what you have? Today you can know. Today you can trust that God's provision is going to be sufficient for you just like it was for Israel. That God is actually drawing our attention to the fact that there's more to life than just you getting and gaining. That there's a, a part of your week that we set aside. And we know in a couple of chapters, in Exodus chapter 20, we know what? The Ten Commandments is going to be given. And it says, remember what? The Sabbath day to keep it holy. There is so much emphasis on how much we get and get and get and receive blessing as opposed to just stop, just stop everything. Everything shuts down. Everything slows down. Why? Because we have to give attention to. We have to pause to worship the giver of every good gift. God has you covered. I think of the instruction that Jesus gave to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6. We're inquiring, how do, we, how do we pray? And the Lord says, when, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be, set apart, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then there's this peculiar line. Lord, please give us our daily bread. God, sustain me just for one more day so I can be faithful as a what, follower of Jesus. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us as we have been forgiven. Do, do you pray like that? Could, could I challenge you, will you begin to pray like that? Ra rather than, how, how am I going to take care of next week? How am I going to take care of next month? I don't know. How am I going to take care of next year? H how about the fact that God, what, supernaturally provides for us? That God's provision for us is sufficient for this day. Trust Him in that. Rest in that. I loved biographies. I, I still love reading biographies. And I remember years ago, I was a kid... Remember, remember George Mueller? You go back into the 19th century and he's in Bristol, England. He's the director of the Ashley Down Orphanage. And he just, he just was a man of prayer. And I remember even as a kid, and this came to my mind as I was writing this. This is what surfaced to my mind. Where he had what? He had, he had dozens, dozens, hundreds of children. And they had run out. One particular day they had run out of food. They had run out of milk. And they prayed, Lord, Lord, please provide for us. This is not a want, this is a need. And early in the morning there was a knock on the door of a farmer that was carrying, what, a big tank filled with, with milk to the market. But the, the wagon wheel broke. And the guy said, this milk's going to go bad. Can, can you use this? Can, can you... Do you need this? This is maybe weird, but do you need this? To which they immediately, what? They, they know where it came from. It was what? It was blessings. Poured down, raining down. Do, do, we, do we pray like that? 
Will we learn to pray like that? There is story after story after story. Even in my own short little life, I have seen God provide for us and protect us. That's what's so neat about the body of Christ. When we talk with one another and we listen to one another of stories and testimony of, let me just tell you how God miraculously provided and it was sufficient for us. What this idea of daily bread is all about, daily needs, what forces us to focus, to what, what be reliant upon the Lord. I refer to it as a glory, we are to live with a glorious reliance upon the Lord, not upon yourself. Yeah, but I'm a hard worker and I provide, no, no, God gave you the breath in your lungs. God gave you the, the mind the hands, all of that, every good gift comes from above. God's provision was supernatural. God's provision was sufficient. Finally, and God's provision was sacred. Look at verse 33. We pick it up. Exodus chapter 16. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar, put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land Canaan. Ever been on a trip before and in, in order to remember... Where you've been or what you've done, you, you bring home a, a souvenir. Some pictures, a postcard, a penny pincher, a dried flower, a rock. I love to collect. I have piles of rocks all over the place. This past fall, while we were on sabbatical, Wendy and I were in Athens, Greece, and we were sitting on a pile of rocks. I had this idea. Hey, let me just, just, just a little extra bit of advice to give you a helpful hint. Don't ever try to take a rock home when you're in Athens, Greece, okay? Just, just not a, a good idea. That's another story for another time. It's a what not to do. And I understand now, okay, if every single person over the last 2,000 years each took a rock, there wouldn't be much left of the Acropolis. I understand that. Okay, and it was, a, it, was just a, it was just a little rock, it was a needle rock, but there was no, like, there was no engraving on it. It was just a rock. There was nothing sacred about it. But God is doing something different here. When, when God sent the Israelites on the trip throughout the wilderness, what? To learn. God sent the Israelites on a trip through the wilderness to what? To see his glory. When God sent a, the Israelites on a trip in the wilderness to what? To know him. God wanted them to take certain things. To, to set them apart. So they would be sacred. Why? So that they would remember. So that they would remember. So that they would not forget. As a matter of fact, if you go all the way through the book of Exodus, God gave many instructions to the Israelites so that they would not forget their past. They had to remember who, who they were, where they had been. That's why in this big, huge crowd of people, they're carrying a coffin with bones in it. The bones of Joseph. Remember who you are. 
What? That's, that's in the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And one of Jacob's sons, Joseph. Joseph was the one who was what? The, the, the second in command. The one who was there as they went into Egypt. Remember. Don't forget this. Carry these bones with you. You're going home to bury them. God also wanted them to remember who he was. God would give them things so that God would always be on their mind of what he had done for them. That's what the law is about. That's what the tabernacle was going to be for. That's what the Ark of the Covenant was. Why? Because God knows that we, just like the Israelites, would be very, very forgetful people. We easily forget all of the blessings that God has given to us. So God told Moses to tell Aaron, verse 33, take a jar... Put some manna in it, and it's to be kept. It's going to be kept throughout your generations. It seems like pretty clear, pretty simple instruction here. Is God contradicting himself? Isn't the manna going to go bad? No, this is, this is God being God. Again, supernaturally, what? Setting some aside. He's making it sacred. Eventually, we know it's going to be placed inside the Ark of the Covenant, which is going to be placed in the Holy of Holies, which is in the tabernacle and later the temple. This is something that is to be set apart. The Ark of the Covenant has not yet been built. We'll get to that in Exodus chapter 25. But it's going to be built with great detail, with great care. It says in verse 11 of Exodus 25 that there's to be pure gold inside and outside. Why? Because this is going to be a picture of God's holiness, of God's mighty salvation, of God's miraculous provision for those whom he dearly loves. Years later in Hebrews, we get a little bit of a glimpse of what was inside the Ark of the Covenant. It says in Hebrews 9 verse 4, to which there was a golden urn holding the manna. What is it? God's miraculous hand. And Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget where you came from. God says, don't forget who I am. Don't forget what I've done for you. All of this is to be kept, what? In a place that represents the very presence of God. In, in, in that ark, what is this stuff that was rained from heaven for you? Today, I am most thankful that we don't have to carry around an ark any longer. I, I am most thankful. We are most blessed that, that we don't have to worship only in a specific place, a tabernacle or a temple, that we actually can worship what, wherever two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. I am so thankful with God's provision for us and blessings for us that, that, that we don't need a priest to intercede on our behalf, that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, that you can go directly to God. I am so thankful that we don't need to bring a bull, a bushel of, of wheat or, or a lamb 
to what? To be sacrificed, to temporarily atone for my sins. I'm so thankful we don't have to do any of those things. Why? I am most thankful for the Lamb of God. I am most thankful for the great high priest, Jesus Christ himself, who left the glories of heaven to come to this earth, to live a perfect and a sinless life, to die on the cross, to atone, to pay the price for my sins and for your sins, and was raised again to life three days later. And I am so thankful that Jesus Christ himself said what? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. There are people listening right now. Some of you, and you know who you are. That you are starving to death without Jesus. Jesus promises, he says, I, I'm the bread. I'm everything that you need. God, in a sense, what rains blessings down from heaven. Jesus says, I am everything that you need. And some of you refuse, you refuse to acknowledge him as the Messiah, as the Savior. So many people are what looking back and longing for. Remember, remember when it used to be. It must, it must get what? It must get better someday out there. No, no, no. We don't look back to what to slaves to sin. We look up. We look up to the only one. So let me invite you to come this morning to Jesus. Accept the fact. That apart from him, we will starve to death in the wilderness. Just as God is doing something wonderful in the wilderness for the Israelites that they would never forget. You can be assured, although this is hard for us and unpleasant, that God is doing something wonderful. In the wilderness that we find ourselves in. He's doing something that, that we will never forget. In this season, could I ask you, what, what are you picking up as souvenirs to be kept? What, what lessons are you learning? How are you seeing God provide for you? J just this text alone, one chapter in all of the Bible. See what God has provided all that God has provided from you. Blessings from above. Means what? It means no grumbling from below. This is, a, this is a neat chapter. There's a lot here. Entire chapter. Three points. They're, they're even alliterated. But if you were to, in a sense, just squeeze it. Squeeze everything out. Wring it all out. What, what is God telling us today in the midst of our wilderness journey? Here it is. It's pretty simple. God has you covered. God has you covered. Which means what? There, there's, there's no worries. And there is to be no whining. I think that we see that come to life. In the midst of a dry 
barren desert, a desolate place that the Israelites are in, and some of us even today in a dry, barren, desolate place. See Jesus as the bread of life that when we come to him, we never, ever will hunger again. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I'm so grateful for who you are. I'm so grateful, Lord, that in, in Old Testament narrative that you come to life, that you are real, that you keep promises to provide for us. I thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you just rain down upon us. Lord, help us not to forget that. Help us not to, to think that it's about us, but it's all about you. Lord, forgive us in seasons of grumbling. Help us, Lord, not, not, not to worry. Help us not to whine. Help us to be reminded today of the blessing and the provision of your goodness, your greatness, and your grace. And most of all, the hope of eternal life through Jesus. We love you. We thank you for loving us. We ask this. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. I want to just thank you for joining us today. Again, it's a unique setting. We don't know how much longer, but we will be patient. And we're learning the lessons, Lord willing, that God wants us to learn. But I want to thank you for worshiping with us. Let me just remind you that if you have a question, not fully understanding, who, who's this Jesus? I want you to make sure that you can email us together at bigwoods.org we'd love to to talk with you to pray with you to show you in the midst of all of these things that are frankly frightening that God holds us tight he sees us and he promises to be there for us we love you we look forward to seeing you again next week Lord bless